0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Final Word on CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto. It's June 9th. I'm your host, Gabriela Silva-Ponte. First, let's take a look at today's top news. First off, Donald Trump is indicted for mishandling classified documents at his Florida estate. The former U.S. president has been charged with seven counts, according to CP24. CNN reports Trump's lawyer James Trusty affirmed the indictment includes charges of willful retention of national defense information, false statements, obstruction of justice, and conspiracy. In a video post to his Truth social app, Trump said, I'm innocent, and we will prove that very, very soundly and hopefully very quickly. CP24 reports his presidential campaign sent out a request for financial support just 20 minutes after the news that he was indicted broke. This comes less than three months after he was charged in New York with 34 felony counts of falsifying business records. At the time, Trump surrendered to authorities, was booked behind closed doors, and appeared at the courtroom's defense table shortly after. CP24 reports charges were not publicly filed, but that Trump said he is summoned to appear in court Tuesday afternoon in Miami. Despite the indictment and if there was a conviction, Trump is still eligible to run in the 2024 campaign for presidency. Up next, the largest ruby to ever be auctioned has sold at a whopping 34.8 million U.S. dollars, according to CTV News. The 55.22 carat ruby was found just under a year ago by Canadian firm Fura Gems at one of the company's mines in Mozambique. It was named Estrela de Fura in Portuguese to honor Mozambique's official language. This can be translated to Star of Fura. CTV News reports the Ishtrela Fura originally weighed 101 carats and was the latest gem-quality ruby to ever be discovered. Since then, it has been polished and cut to remove impurities. Fura Gems CEO Dev Shetty said, From the in-depth analysis and study of the stone, through the process of cutting and polishing, we have worked with the utmost care and respect for the ruby, recognizing its importance and stature. Mozambique has been one of the world's most productive ruby-mining countries since 2009, reports CTV News. The de Fura was exhibited in cities such as Dubai, Singapore and Geneva before it was sold in New York. A Canadian Muslim charity won a settlement after a set of publications falsely claimed it was funding terrorism. The organization is one of the largest faith-based charities in the country, reports CBC News. The out-of-court settlement was reached by Islamic Relief Canada in a lawsuit against Thomas Quiggin and six others. Islamic Relief Canada states the individuals claimed, quote, false, malicious and defamatory statements. Islamic Relief Canada CEO Usama Khan told CBC News, By holding those who spread misinformation accountable for their actions, we can send a clear message that this type of behavior will not be tolerated. Though the settlement information is not yet publicly available, the defendants issued a clarification statement, which read, We did not exercise sufficient due diligence in researching, drafting, and or publishing the defamatory statements. As the air quality improves across Toronto, festivals in the city will still be running. Environment Canada lifted its special air quality statement for the city today after just three days. The Little Portugal Business Improvement Area told CBC News that, quote, the weekend's forecast maximum is for moderate risk and the festival will move forward as planned. Another event taking place this weekend is the Lakeshore Village Business Improvement Area's Grilled Cheese Challenge. This festival's organizers said they will look to Toronto Public Health for guidance on any cautionary measures that may be required. Coordinator Megan Meshu calls this festival, quote, the cheesiest festival in town. It will close Lakeshore Boulevard West from Saturday at 5 a.m. to 1 a.m. on Sunday. Mesho told CBC News creations ranged from brie and apple sandwiches to ones filled with craft dinner in the past. CBC News reports the Portuguese festival has been expanded to Shaw Street instead of stopping at Ossington Avenue. Chair of Little Portugal BIA Annabella Taborda said the extra space will be used to celebrate the 70th anniversary of Portuguese immigration to Canada. Meanwhile, this next story comes to us from Benjamin Bilgen. He took to the Toronto streets this past weekend at the Ontario Federation of Labour's Enough is Enough rally.
1: <laughs>
0: Thousands of Ontarians gathered across the province on Saturday, June 3rd. The day that marked the one year anniversary of Doug Ford's re election. The Ontario Federation of Labour's campaign represents a broad coalition of healthcare and education workers, gig workers, migrants and tenants' rights advocates, and other Ontarians who have had enough.
1: enough.
0: The campaign's website states, quote, Ontarians deserve better when it comes to unfair wages, increased housing costs, and hospital wait times. Our on-the-field reporter Benjamin Bilgen spoke to many rally attendees. One senior expressed his need for a better health care system.
2: Well, I'm worried about uh, health uh, services being privatized, and I think the next thing is gonna be the schools. And I'm dead set against that. Uh, we're seniors and we need the health care.
0: Others, such as nurse Jocelyn and teacher Peggy, expressed their concerns for the privatization of healthcare and the education system. Well, I've been a teacher for 20 years now, and I've never seen uh, the conditions so bad. The cuts are enormous. The children are the ones who suffer, and I, you know, we have to tell Ford it's enough is enough.
1: I'm a registered nurse of Sunnybrook Hospital. Right now, we don't have proper staffing. We don't have proper wages. We're overworked, and the government seems to be not paying attention. Uh, Because of the privatization of almost all the healthcare services, and we want to stand up for our rights.
0: TTC rider Chloe was more focused on the city's transit system.
1: Well, I am here to rally to call for the next mayor of Toronto and Premier Doug Ford to fund transit and reverse the service cuts that we've been seeing all across the city. The TDC is the lifeblood of the city. People need it to get around. It is our only option, it is our only choice, and it is unacceptable that we've been seeing these service cuts. The TDC is facing a $366 million shortfall. If that hole is not filled, then we could see a transit death spiral in the city. The government has not been funding transit properly, and because of it, Riders suffer. And yeah, we've had enough. We need to make sure that government knows that service cuts are unacceptable and that we rely on transit and it needs to be funded properly.
0: And tenant rights activist Wabajidi Allow showed just how rent increases affect residents. Uh, so for me, it's more important because as a tenant in um, Ontario, we're experiencing some unusual, unfair increases in rents. And um, a lot of the buildings that we've come to realize now are not being protected under the rent control, especially most buildings after 2018. And that affects me personally and my building as well. So um, what we're trying to do is just we're dedicating a lot of our resources, commitments, uh, to ensure that the rights of people to affordable and adequate housing is respected and protected. That's more important and that's why we're here. We spoke to Director of Campaigns and Political Action at the Ontario Federation of Labour, James Clark. Here's what he had to say about the rally.
2: Saturday, June 3rd was part of a province-wide Enough is Enough day of action that took place in 31 locations across Ontario. And it was the first big demonstration that the campaign organized since it was launched in late January of this year. And the campaign is called Enough is Enough, and it's a cost of living campaign that is aimed at confronting the cost of living crisis in Ontario and at putting forward a progressive, ambitious, and bold vision for the labor movement for how we can solve that crisis and how we can support working people and their families. And the demand of that campaign are five in numbers. So the first one is for real wage increases. The second is to keep our schools and hospitals and public services public. The third is for rent control and affordable housing. The fourth is for affordable groceries, gas, and basic goods. And the fifth is to make the banks and corporations pay. So what happened on Saturday was the first moment that we had the opportunity to bring together trade unionists, non-union workers, community members, ordinary people from all over the province to be part of a big demonstration to say that we support these demands and we want the government to take action right away. The turnout exceeded our expectations. The demonstration in Toronto had thousands and thousands of people. There are several estimates that say we had about 10,000 people who joined us. And if you were on the rally, you will have seen that we started at Nathan Phillips Square. And shortly after 12 noon, when the rally began, almost all of Queen Street West, between York Street and Bay Street, was full of demonstrators. And it got even bigger as we continued the march over to Yonge Street, up to Yonge and Dundas Square, across Dundas University, and that's University of Queen's Park. There were two feeder marchers. That joined us. There was a feeder march of hundreds of education workers and teachers and parents and students who marched from Church Street Public School. And there was another feeder march of steel workers and climate activists who joined us at college and university. So many thousands of people joined. And in locations across the province, we had hundreds of people in each location. So in Ottawa, we had over 500 people. We had close to 300 people in Hamilton. We had close to 100 people in Guelph. And in many other locations, there were people who were demonstrating for the very first time. Uh, dozens of people at, um, at, uh, at locations across, in every region of the province. The, the theme that came through, among many, at all of the demonstrations across the province is that we're just getting started with this campaign and we're gonna be back. So. The idea is that we have to build a long-term movement to win these demands. It's not about having one demonstration and then going home and hoping that all our demands are going to be met. We have to build a movement in every part of the province, which means we need to organize more events like these and with more people. So what we're trying to do out of this is build momentum and continue to build the networks that we organize to pull off these demonstrations in the first place and organize activities that make it possible for people to join us and get involved. Probably the most easy way to do that is for people to sign up to the campaign on our website, which is we say enough.ca. And if you go to we say you can see a two minute campaign video that explains what the campaign is all about. It features ordinary workers from across the province talking about the cost of living crisis, but it also talks about the demands, what all the demands represent, all the other demands that might be associated with each of the five main demands, and some of the things that we hope to do over the coming weeks and months. So that might mean community town halls, discussion groups, reading groups, door-to-door canvassing, street canvassing, poster campaigns, those kinds of things. And then we'll think again about when we can have another big province-wide demonstration. And I imagine something like that would probably come sometime in the fall.
0: Finally, reporter Owen Thompson speaks with composer Jay McCarroll. McCarroll composed the soundtrack of the recently released film Blackberry.
3: I have so much respect for the other film composers out there that are able to do this at a high output level. It's something that I I see the the road uh, ahead of me to to be able to become, but it's something that has been in in a really great way, a, a, a great challenge. Squeeze through all these films and emerge, you know what I mean, bloody and bashed. It's uh, it's certainly humbling, um, and and also very fortunate to to work um, as of late with such great material. It feels like what you're doing. Um, is trying your very best to match the level of quality that the film is presenting even without the music. And so the last thing you wanna do is to have the music deteriorate the overall um, uh, sense of quality that the movie is projecting. And, and so that, that, that becomes uh, a challenge too that I'm, uh, I'm very humbled towards.
0: BlackBerry was released May 12th and has already gathered reviews from across the country. McCarroll described the movie's creation as collaborative.
3: Uh, All of a sudden we were all kind of working on it together and I was working on the script with them for months as they would bring me new, you know, versions of the script and we'd we'd break story together. We would talk about casting. We would talk about locations and what we wanted the whole movie to be about and, and to feel like and by the time we were doing it, we were all on set together, you know, Jared, our cinematographer, he's he's involved in, in things way beyond the camera. Our production designer, Adam Belanger, he's at the monitors watching takes with us and giving notes, and it's a really wonderful process with, with a little band pretty much, where everyone's sort of sending their ideas up the chain, and ultimately, uh, Matt being having a very clear vision of, of how he wants to ultimately take these ideas and whittle it down and and and, and filter it through to become uh, his one voice is the sort of uh, final secret weapon of this
0: he discussed how despite working in a crew being alone in the end stages to compose the film's soundtrack affected him
3: i would i would say it does affect me like it it's it's tough i've had real low moments of you know Especially when, when things are, are difficult and you're under a timeline and you're not making good time and, and you're not churning out the killer ideas and, and you, you don't have any, any help. I would say that I'm in the position right now uh, or, or the level where I, I'd like to look ahead and probably say, you know what, hopefully my next film I I'm gonna want some help maybe uh make a call out to uh some students and see who wants to get some film scoring experience and you know just have somebody else if anything just be around to share the burden of just what the the massive goal is every film score feels like a big mountain to climb because it's, it's very difficult and and it, and it would probably help to have somebody else be in there just as a uh as somebody to, to maybe say like oh yeah that sounds like you're on the right track mm, that sounds like you're kind of getting further from the 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 mission here and uh, also with just the amount of technical file management and you know sessions that are get 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 very messy and templates that are ever changing I could certainly see how um, a more higher level uh, film composer can make his life or her life very much easier. But I think you need to figure out your, on your own um, if you can do it all first so that you can really understand it and without that you wouldn't be able to really properly manage and lead uh, a team of people. It, it'll help to, uh, to have the experience of, of taking the whole burden on yourself.
0: McCarroll also had a lot to say about working with Canadian Matt Johnson. Johnson both acted in and directed the film Blackberry.
3: We kind of have gotten pretty good at, at getting behind, uh, you know, a quote-unquote Matt Johnson project and really giving it a, a team effort um, from the very beginning stages all the way to the, the end. Um, everyone is, is kind of really uh, blurred lines with what their, their title is, and there's a small group of people that just has a bit of an open forum on uh, sending in their, their notes and their ideas and collaboration on everything. So I know that uh, Matt Johnson and Matt Miller, at one point, one of their many uh, endeavors uh, had them uh, license the rights to uh, write the script based on this book about, called Losing the Signal and they were gonna make it about uh they were gonna just write the script and that was their their full goal was to like you know write a black the blackberry movie hopefully and and uh and just sell it and have somebody else make it um and it just so happened in crazy hollywood land as things move forward sometimes um the the strangest green lights uh turn on and next thing you know there was the support and sort of gusto to have Matt Johnson direct it and for Zapruder to produce it. So everyone on our team knows that our fearless um, quarterback of this operation is Matt Johnson and how he's able to, you know, conduct this team and turn all the ideas and filter them in a way that becomes ultimately his uh, voice. But yes, there, there's so much spillover. He invites so much collaboration. Um, there's so much writing. There's so many jokes and sequences. The way things look, the way, you know, even notes towards the actors, you know what I mean? He was the only director on that was talking to any actor, but he would still come to the monitors and we would secretly discuss like how we're thinking, you know, these actors are, are delivering and we'd have some good ideas. And in the edit, Kurt Lobb, um, has been, you know, the auteur behind the auteur. Um, the amount of of careful and hilarious and and really crafted editing that everyone who knows a Matt Johnson project knows, the editing and pace becomes a voice in and of itself. Um, it it makes jokes like that's what makes our stuff funny is the edit. It's all about timing and what you are seeing and when. And it's something that, that Matt has complete um, control over. And he is aware of everything that's going on. And ultimately, I don't think anybody can do it better. But Kurt Lobb is uh, is putting this whole thing together. He's, he's just as instrumental in creating the void of this as Matt is. Um, it's such a collaboration. Um, and that's why we plan to keep uh, working together on all this stuff.
0: He further discussed some challenges he faced while composing for the film.
3: Overall, there were a lot of, like, the, the general challenge of making the Blackberry score fit in was a little bit of a mixing issue because a lot of the score w- is, is very, like, um, frantic and there are these phone sounds in it and almost like alarm beeps and it's, it's dissonant and tense. And it's happening over a film that is very dense in its filmmaking. There's a lot of dialogue. Oftentimes, you know, mixing in the music underneath to at once support, but also never pull focus is a challenge, especially with the fabric of of the sound that we wanted for this. So that was an overall challenge.
0: And more specifically, the one scene he found most difficult yet most gratifying.
3: I remember one scene in it where Jay Baruchel's character, Mike, who plays Mike Lazaridis, he's on the phone in the office near the beginning of the movie, where the rest of his um, office workers are playing Doom, and hanging out, and he's getting this bad news in the office, and he's he's um, he's in a closet and he's looking out at his office playing video games. And, and there's this dark, ominous um, uh, scene that happens. And I remember I wanted it to sound like a hybrid between like diegetically hearing doom-like music, but also have it sort of in infidelity get a little fuller as his own, as, as the story starts to sort of drop some new um, darkness and some ominous Uh, bad news and and have it sort of feel like in between score and kind of just like quirky doom music and I worked on that with uh, with Matt Johnson a a bit like where I I was sending him stuff and he knew what I was going for and so he was a good um, barometer of like how close I was getting to that and we went through it a few times until finally and it's fun it's like you get to that point where it's like well I don't know what to do anymore like I, I feel like did we do it here And he, much like the character of Mike Lazaridis, just like, you know, good enough is not is is the enemy of humanity. And and I was like, oh, man, do I have to hit the drawing board again for this moment? And thank God, because that last one that I did is one of my favorite cues. And it really does what we set out to do. It just took relentlessly uh, sticking to it and making sure that it was perfect.
0: You can listen to the full interview on Movie Mixtape on Friday, June 16th, or read about it on our website today. that's our show. You've been listening to The Final Word on CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela Silva-Ponte. This episode was put together by myself, Benjamin Bilgin, and Owen Thompson. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.